Hello, sports fans, and welcome to another edition of Yesterday Sports on the Sports History Network. And make sure to check out sportshistorynetwork.com slash giveaways. I have two signed books I'm giving away. One is titled No Nonsense Old School Weight Training, and the other is Reliving 1970s Old School Football. Okay. This meeting is being recorded. I would like to welcome everybody back to the Football's Family Podcast. And before my guest introduces himself, because he's a recurring guest, he, I like to make him a friend of the program. Um, I, I do ask that if you are listening to the Football's Family Podcast, like and subscribe and, and, and give me five stars if you can, or four stars, depending on what your uh, podcast is. And if you have any suggestions, please let me know. I'm trying to make this even better each time I do this. But anyway, back to the guest at hand. Would you like to introduce yourself? Sure. Yeah. Thanks, Jeremy, for having me on. Um, I'm Kevin Bryant, and I'm the author of Spies on the Sidelines, the high-stakes world of NFL espionage. See, now that is – he He was on – I think you were on maybe just about a month ago before you – Yeah, a month or two, somewhere on there. And uh, – I, and I was just talking to Kevin about this, that his book is on my list to read as soon as I'm done with my first semester of my classes that I'm taking. Uh, but we're on specifically for one team, and that is the New England Patriots. Now, Kevin, let me let me ask you, before we go any further, we don't have anything against the Patriots here at the Football's Family Podcast, and, and you don't either, right? No, as a matter of fact, I don't. I mean, one of the big points of my book is that, hey, you know what? It's not just the Patriots that have a big, you know, a history of doing this stuff. You know, the spying's been going on in the league since its very, very beginning, and uh, the Patriots are just, you know, they're the, they're the hot name of the day. But it's been going on for a long time. Well, when you win six Super Bowls in two decades, which is a lot, yeah. people people tend to pay attention to you a little bit more, don't they? And I think that's exactly it. You know. Um, there are teams that have done this in the past um, with just as egregious attempts at spying as the Patriots have undertaken, um, but haven't had the same level of success on the field. And when you have a dynasty, um, you're under that microscope. And that's, you know, that's where the Patriots have found themselves. I say, so there's two, two in particular, Spygate and Deflategate. But let's go with the most, the most silly to me, the flake gate. Yeah. Now that is silly, but I know there's rules for, and there are rules there for a reason. Mm -hmm. But to me, the, the pounds per square inch of a football should not cost you what draft picks and money. Well, you know, I mean, yes, that's, that's exactly right. So that's what it cost them. And it's easy to say that, but let me ask you this, Jeremy, you, did you ever play, uh, you ever play pickup football back in the day with the Nerf football? I did, yes. So how much further can you throw a Nerf football compared to a a, a hard, fully inflated football? Uh, you could throw it a lot further. But, I mean, we're talking about Tom Brady. Tom Brady is so, – is... Right. But you, So you're talking percentages, right? Because, you know – Yeah. The, the, right? And another thing is, uh, besides just the, the distance you can throw it, is the grip. And it becomes yes. really important, especially with a wet ball. Having that little bit of underinflation really, really helps get a better grip to be able to chuck that thing and catch it as well in, now, in, in rainy weather. Well, it was against the Colts, wasn't it? 
uh, yeah. was it in bad weather? Yeah, it was 2015. You know, I don't remember that particular game. I mean, I think at that point, this was a this was a very standard um, thing that the the Patriots, um, and particularly you know Tom Brady and um, the locker room attendant Jim McNally that they had been you know um, allegedly involved in, <laughs> since it was never you know proven beyond the shadow of a doubt. But um, but okay, but yeah. Maybe my biggest problem about Deflate Gate, and and if you give us specifics in just a second, my biggest problem about Deflate Gate is how uh, Roger Goodell chooses to punish teams. Mm -hmm. If you and all these are awful. If you abuse a, 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 a an animal, which I have three dogs, I was just telling you they're walking around their their family. You right. get suspended, but. You, you bet on a game, uh, was it Calvin Ridley this year, uh, is missing the year, but then Deshaun Watson does what he does and he gets out 11 games. What I have a problem with is how do you weigh one thing is worse than another? And I guess that's yeah. just that's just a question. I'm, so so when they say deflate gate, what do they mean? So, okay, so I'll answer, I'll answer that first and then go back to the other, your other question. So, um, deflate gate. What does it really mean? Okay. So deflate gate really had been taken, you know, what we really learned with deflate gate where the Patriots were, uh, apparently, um, using Jim McNally locker room attendant to, um, what he did was take these balls into the locker room attendant for that AFC championship game and handed them to the referee. Right. And the referee inspects these balls and he's the one who's supposed to walk them out onto the field. What happened, however, is that when the referee went to retrieve the balls and bring them out onto the field, they were missing. Right. And at this point, the referee is like, what the heck is going on? He heads out onto the field and he finds that the Patriots already have their balls and they're already warming up. And he's like, oh, well, I'm not sure what happened, but at least I didn't lose the balls. Right. For the AFC championship game, because that'd be really embarrassing. Um, so um, the, the Colts had brought up this issue that they believe the Patriots were under inflating balls before the game. And so the referee, uh, Walt Anderson, he checked uh, the balls before the game and they were within the, the minimum PSI, 12.5 pounds per square inch. Well, during the game, the Colts got a hold of one of the balls and they brought it to their sidelines and the coaches handed it to a, to a, a, a referee and said, hey, this ball, it seems underinflated to us. So at halftime, Walt Anderson and a few, um, few others measured uh, these balls to see where they were at. And the Patriots balls were significantly, significantly underdeflated. Um, they were at an average of 11.3 PSI, one as low as 10.5. Um, so what happened was um, after the, they, they, Reinflated the game, uh, reinflated the balls, played the rest of the game. Patriots crushed the Colts. After the game, though, NFL security interviewed Jim McNally, the, the Patriots locker room attendant, about what happened. He admitted to, yes, I took the balls out of the referee's uh, locker room. However, um, I went straight to the field. Nothing you know, untowards happened. Um, now, an investigation took place. They found out that McNally stopped off in a bathroom for 90 seconds, 
Um, and then Exponent, which is a company that Roger Goodell and the NFL hired to conduct an investigation, um, checked to see if it was possible to deflate the balls within 90 seconds. And they said, yes, uh, we can. And they also found a whole bunch of um, text that went on between McNally, Tom Brady, and another um, individual on the uh, Patriots staff. And it basically made it seem like McNally was receiving autographed um, footballs and some shoes in, um, in exchange for deflating these balls. And uh, the overall consensus by exponent um, and ultimately by the lawyer that they hired to look into this Theodore Wells was that um, that most likely that, uh, you know, Tom Brady, that the Patriots were involved in this um, and that Tom Brady knew what was going on during the uh, during the scandal. So I think that's that's that's, you know, that's the plate gate in, a, in summary. Now, to get to the big question, if you know, the, the punishment behind it. So I would agree with, I mean, I know what you're saying, Jeremy. It gets very frustrating to figure out NFL punishments, right? Because you have something like Deshaun Watson, which most of us just find despicable what allegedly went on there, right? And, and, um, and he's not out for an entire year, whereas someone who just bet in the NFL is out for an entire year. But what you have to keep in mind is that the NFL, beyond anything else, is concerned with the integrity of the game, okay? And if you have a, a person, a coach, uh, a player, an owner who is betting on games and potentially even willing to bet on their own team and to be involved in point shaving or fixing games, that is the NFL's biggest fear. Because at that point, you can say, hey, this, the game is fixed. It's not legit. And it calls into question everything to do with not just that game and not just that team, but every game from, then, from that point you know, going forth. And so when it comes to gambling, that is the one thing the NFL will crack down on above all others. Um, and NFL security, which is a branch of um, basically former law enforcement officials, mainly FBI agents, and that is their number one job, is to ensure that gambling among NFL players, coaches, and owners does not take place. And, um, and they will take every measure possible to squash that as soon as they hear an, an inkling, a rumor of that taking place. Okay. So you explained it better than I have heard it. And I appreciate that. That changes how I view this. This is not just a Michael Vick or Calvin Ridley or Deshaun Watson. Right. This is a Patriots, which means the NFL, a one, one 32 of the NFL. That makes more sense. I appreciate that. Um, now, if I remember correctly, and, and you would know this right off the top of your head, uh, Tom Brady was given six games. He was given six games. Yeah, six. That sounds. Yeah, it was either six or four. It wasn't um, much, and I believe. Yeah, the, I believe was it Jimmy Garoppolo started that year and got hurt, and they brought in another guy, and I cannot think of his name. Was it Jimmy that started and he got hurt? But they also 
they were also fined several hundred thousand dollars and lost a couple of draft picks. Yeah, so yeah. this is not so much against Tom Brady. This was mainly addressed to the NFL because if Tom Brady's out, then the Patriots don't win as many games. But if I remember correctly as well, they did win the Super Bowl that year. Right, they did. Absolutely. And so this is, you know, an interesting an interesting subject because, you know, you've got the Spygate year that they're winning a Super Bowl. You've got the Plategate year that they're winning a Super Bowl. So it gets it's extremely frustrating for fans because they're going, you know, you know, obviously, you know, the NFL. Here's the thing with the NFL. We all know that this that has an impact, right? Deflategate has an impact. Spygate clearly probably had much more of an impact. Yeah. Taping of other teams' uh, signals. Um, and we can talk about that in a bit. Um, but, um, you know, and, and the Patriots are getting a punishment. But surely, um, the thing is, the NFL is never willing to admit that the steps that the, the acts the Patriots are undertaking, whether it's Spygate, whether it's Deflategate, they go out of their way to say, you know what? There's no proof that anything that happened impacted, had a significant impact in a game. So they're basically just saying, you know what? It happened. Yeah, they shouldn't have been doing it, but we can't prove that it impacted anything. And they want to say that because you know what? The Patriots are winning championships. And sometimes in the years that this stuff is happening, and so to call, to say that this stuff, it does change the outcome of games is basically saying, yeah, the Patriots cheated their way to a Super Bowl and the NFL is never going to admit that. So yes, they're punishing the Patriots, but I know a lot of people feel like they haven't punished them enough. And yes, the NFL could surely stop this activity if they were willing to punish them more severely. And perhaps in the case of the Patriots, that needs to take place because, frankly, what I would say is that they're willing to keep on doing what what they have been doing in the past. Um, and Spygate and Deflategate, it wasn't the end all and be all. There are lots of rumors of other things that have taken place. And they were also punished more recently for uh, recording another team's practice um, as of just a few years ago, which kind of made me go wonder, sit there going, did, did Spygate ever stop? You know, has this has this been happening? Um, well, you know, you, ever since. Well, if you look at the Rams this year or this past year, they gave up a lot of first round picks. They don't really have a first round pick till next century, right? But they're willing to give up a first round pick for a Super Bowl, and yes. and for me, I would do the same thing. I think that's right, the right. way to go. So, and money's not an issue for Robert Kraft. Mm -hmm. um, what would you give up? What would you say would work? And I, my dogs are getting into something. I can hear you. So just answer. I'm going to look and see what my Huskies are doing. If y'all have Huskies, you know you have to constantly be on guard. What would be the the punishment that would work to stop them, in your opinion? Yeah, I mean, that's a tough question. I mean, obviously, it's got to it's gotta be severe enough to make them stop. Um, you know... I think the one the one thing beyond picks and beyond fines because you're right money's not going to affect it. This is Robert Robert Kraft, man. He's he's a billionaire. He doesn't care. You know, as soon as as soon as Belichick got punished and got fined for Spygate, um, like a month later, Belichick extended his contract a year early, 
and gave him a huge pay increase, right? So Belichick, I mean, it was almost Robert Kraft, Kraft was just mocking the NFL, saying, yeah, you can try to find us, but I don't care because I've got all the money in the world, right? So that doesn't work. Losing first round draft picks clearly hasn't worked. It didn't work in Spygate. It doesn't work. It hasn't worked in Deflategate. The one thing that I would say really annoyed Tom Brady that we saw with Deflategate is when you when you make it so that somebody can't play games. Yeah. Take a season away from a, from a Tom Brady, from a Bill Belichick, and say, you know what? You're out of this for a year. And people are going to start learning some lessons pretty quickly like that. Um, because I think as we all saw, we, you know, we saw it with Michael Vick. When you sit out for a certain amount of time and you try to come back and play at that really high level in the NFL, it can be very, very difficult to do. Um, and so, you know, I think if you, especially as a player, man, you take somebody out for a year or two, um, that's, oof, that's going to send a message real quick that, that, you know, we're not going to tolerate this type of stuff. That is one thing about, again, I see, and I'm glad you described it or you explained it to me, the team and the player. If you could take one player, if you take Tom Brady out for a year, what did we see in 2009? The Patriots were pretty decent with Matt Castle, but they didn't make it to, make it to the playoffs. Right. Tom Brady is a difference maker. If he's out, I mean, if he's out right now, what are what are the Buccaneers? Right. Well, I mean, look at the salary cap that these top quarterbacks are paid. I mean, some of these quarterbacks are paid, a, they consume a quarter of an entire team's uh, salary cap. So when you think about, I mean, that's, and that's what teams assess that they are worth. So you, you're right. You take out a guy like, like, uh, like Brady from a team and you're taking out a quarter of the value of that, that, that team's invested. In, and in you the still, players, so. and you still have to pay somebody to back him up. And good gracious, I'm, I don't know what they're getting into. But explain to us while I go into this, uh, Spygate. Yeah, so Spygate. So you know, I think we all are aware that back in two thousand and um, seven, that the Patriots got in trouble for recording the Jets. Um, sideline and recording their signals um, while they were doing that. So Matt Estrella was the videographer that was caught. And, um, you know, the, the NFL found out about it. They find the Patriots a first round draft pick. And um, yeah, I think that's, that's pretty much what everybody knows. Um, but I will say there were quite a few interesting points that I think um, are a little less, less well-known. And one is that, um, there's really, you know, there's, there's, there's a lack of policy and rules in effect for much of that time. So the, the taping of signals for the Patriots goes all the way back to the preseason of 2000. Okay. They did this from 2000 all the way up to the first game of 2007 when they were cost, when they were caught. And from 2000 until 2006, there were no rules or policy in place that prevented a team from doing this. And as a matter of fact, uh, Jimmy Johnson, who was the Cowboys coach, he said, we used to do this. And he said, I learned it from the Chiefs. You know, a Chiefs member told me about this thing, that they used to do this as well. And this has gone on in the NFL for quite some time. 
<laughs> it wasn't until the Patriots got really, really good at doing this and being effective, effectively using the information of taping opponent signals that the NFL finally put their foot down and put out the Ray Anderson memo. Okay. What I will say in the Patriots defense is that the NFL never made a rule that said, you know what, you can't do this. They simply send out a memo, which, you know, this may be wordsmithing, but in the Patriots defense, if I was their lawyer, I might say, you know what, um, this is nice, but we didn't break any, any NFL rules or bylaws. A memo is not a rule. Um, you know, but the NFL, you know, and Roger Goodell, he, you know, he kind of, he can do his own thing. Um, he's, he's, he's King, you know, he's King sitting in court. And so when he punished the, the Patriots, you know, that's, it is what it is. Um, so a second thing that I would say that was really interesting about Spygate was the Patriots efforts to conceal everything that went on. Um, so they actually, Jimmy D is their head videographer and he actually trained the videographer the, the video staff on how to conceal everything. So they used to put tape over the red light uh, for when the, when the camera was actually recording to hide oh that. Oh my goodness. They had people tape over their like Patriots logos. So it didn't look like they were with the, the Patriots staff. Um, if questioned, they would say, Hey, we're with craft productions rather than with the Patriots um, to make it seem that they were filming for, you know, yes, they're filming for for football purposes, but more for craft TV and not necessarily for the Patriots and their team um, themselves. And then the third thing that I thought was really interesting about Spygate was the NFL, the NFL's efforts to resolve the issue. And um, I think it was what was, you know, really staggering was that Roger Goodell issued a punishment before an investigation ever even took place. So the loss of a draft pick was like, basically Roger Goodell called Belichick and said, hey, Belichick, did you do this? What went on? And Belichick said, yeah, I did it. But in my defense, you know, I thought I was okay. And Goodell said, nope, it wasn't okay. And since you admitted it, okay, here's your punishment. Um, and with the punishment came out like a day later. And right. And so basically, you know, this is like asking a criminal, hey, what did you do? And the criminal says, I did this. And then the police go, OK, we're going to take your word for it. And, uh, you know, here's your punishment without ever looking into anything, without investigating. So if and it so, was worse than what he said, right. they can, can they go back and change their punishment? Well, I mean, it, it gets really odd and it gets really awkward. Right. Just as if law enforcement did the same as if a judge did that, like, you know, OK, I'm going to sentence you to two years. Uh, wait, no, 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 no. Uh, you know, I'm going to make that six years. Right. And so, you know, the thing with, you know, adjusting that the, the NFL, the, yes, the NFL could have. And Roger Goodell could have said after they looked into it a little bit more, could have made the punishments more severe. But here's the thing you have to remember. The NFL just wanted this thing to go away. Because it is costing the NFL fans and money. Okay, because everyone who's going, you know what? The Patriots cheat and this thing is rigged. And I'm not watching any more football games. And the longer Spygate drags out, the more people you have saying this stuff. So for Roger, Roger Goodell, he just wants to put this all behind him as fast as he can. 
which is why he issued the punishment as quickly as he did. But it all backfired. Okay. Because one, yes, the, you know, it got, you know, it learned, hey, the Patriots were doing this all the way back to 2000. One, it wasn't just defensive signals that they were recording. There was also offensive signals that had been recorded. Uh, this came out, especially with Peyton Manning and his audibles that he likes to call. Okay. Which never came out um, beforehand. Um, and then there was lots of talk about what else the Patriots were involved in. Headset tampering rumors. Okay. Uh, was one of the big ones. Um, as well as potentially there was, um, well, when the scandal first came out, there were reports of the Patriots potentially using their headsets to be able to communicate to the quarterback past the 15 second cutoff with where the offensive coordinator can talk to the quarterback. And then at that 15 second mark, the, the, the communication is supposed to cut out. And there, you know, and Brian O'Leary makes the case for this in his book Spygate that, hey, um, it's possible that the, that the, the Patriots were and the offensive uh, coordinator who um, was able to talk to Tom Brady beyond that 15 second and maybe even into the play. And there there's some anecdotal evidence for um, for that. So. So it really, you know, it rubbed a lot of people the wrong way and it went all the way to up, up to the Senate. You know, Arlen Specter wanted to do a Senate wide investigation into the whole matter. And um, the NFL and Roger Goodell got really scared at that point. And Goodell asked for a lot of coaches to provide written statements saying that the NFL handled everything well. One coach that they requested this from was Mike Martz. And Mike Marks later went on to say that the statement that he provided to the NFL was changed. And he said, by who? I don't know. But he said, this, basically, he said the statement that I provided them was altered. Okay. Okay. So not only are we dealing with uh, more, this is deeper than just Spygate. Right. This is also them going behind and changing people's signatures and words. So, but this is nothing next to the next one. All right. You're all right. right. All right. Okay. So Senator Specter. Arlen Specter from Pennsylvania. Arlen Specter. Yep. He has one of his, uh, um, he, he wrote about this in his book. He said one of his um, friends, who's a very powerful, influential individual um, who, who was unnamed, um, came up to him and said that, hey, if you're willing to let this whole investigation in the Senate just and Spygate, looking into Spygate, if you're just willing to let this go, um, that you know it will make it worth your while. So, and that brings into you know who is that? Is that the NFL? Is that bribing someone a else? senator? Uh, bribing a senator, correct. That's right? kind of federal no no, isn't it? Yeah, right. So, but you know, you've got to be able to tie it back. You know, and so, you know, you go through a third third party and um, and it's done. And, you know, who can you point the finger at, obviously? And so, um, you know, it all kind of died right there. And that's about as far as it ever went. Um, but it obviously it brought into it, it brought up a lot of questions. And I, nobody was happy with how the NFL handled Spygate. Um, 
which is why when it came to deflate gate that the NFL came down much harder on the Patriots than they had in the past because um, one Goodell didn't feel like Belichick was completely open um, or the Patriots as a whole with Robert Kraft. He didn't like how they handled it. Um, Belichick never apologized like, um, like Roger Goodell felt that he had agreed to do. And so, um, yeah, when it came time to, you know, punish them for the de- deflate gate, he, he took a much tougher stance. And, and while it was arguably a much smaller thing, like, you know, for an adva- advantage wise, yeah, he, he punished them more heavily than he did for, for yeah. Spygate. So you think yeah. it's not only yeah. because it's, it's not only because of what happened before, but this is the Patriots again. And if they did something like that again in the future, it would be even harder. Yeah, I mean, there's obviously that too, right? So this is strike two. So, you know, there's one, I wasn't happy about your, you know, about everything that went on with Spygate and how you, how, um, what you told me about that. Two, it was strike two, which was obviously a big deal. And by that point, you know, with Deflategate, there's a lot of feelings that were hurt. You know, Robert Kraft just said, hey, I can't put my trust in the NFL anymore. You know, even though you look at the texts, man, the texts that were out there with 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 Tom Brady and the staff there at the Patriots, they're damning. Like there's not really a lot of doubt about what went on in my in my opinion. It's pretty clear. It's in black and white. So, you know, I, the Patriots in my opinion, you know, they were just trying to weasel out of it and um and they did a lot of things. I mean, they fought this Tom Brady fought this all the way to twice to an appellate court. Um, and in this case, almost, almost the next step was to go to the Supreme Court, which before then, Tom Brady finally said, okay, I'm not going to go to the Supreme Court with this, which, you know, like our Supreme Court doesn't have more important matters to address than, you know, uh, whether some footballs were deflated or not. But, you know, that's how far it went. So, you know, I, I imagine that really annoyed a lot of people in the NFL after there was all this evidence. Um, there's videotape of this guy going into the bathroom with the balls. There's the, there's the text evidence. And yet the Patriots are still going, we didn't do anything wrong, you know? So now, a lot of feathers. now, if I remember correctly, Kevin, and, and again, I apologize for, for jumping up and out, but, uh, uh, I thank you for your time tonight. This is, this is awesome. Um, if I remember correctly now, I think each NFL team has to provide so many footballs per game, right? That is correct. Yeah, and I don't remember the the number off the top it's, of my it's head. It's a large number, uh, but they once once they get them to the stadium, I mean, they pretty much the refs take them and they don't see them again. That is correct. So once the footballs are taken, um, the teams take them to the stadium. Both teams hand the hand a referee. Um, but half the balls that are going to be used for the game. Okay. And at that point, um, the referee checks that the balls are good to go. And from that point on, the balls are supposed to stay in the possession of the referee until he brings them out onto the playing field. Now is say that the kicker, Mike Vanderjeck, uh, <laughs> Jason, you know, uh, my mom went blank for the kicker for the, uh, for the Ravens, Jason Tucker. Mm-hmm. Justin Tucker, excuse me, Justin Tucker. Say they want to scuff up their balls before they kick them. Is that allowed? Right. Is that allowed before? 
Absolutely. And so they can, you know, they can bring their own, they can bring, the, they bring their own balls. Um, you can have, you know, balls that are deflated differently. Um, balls that are stuffed, balls that are not, as long as they're in good condition. And as long as they're within the NFL's PSI limits, you can, you can have them, you can have them different and that's, that's fine. Um, it's simply, you know, what's not okay is to, you know, take them out of the referee's possession after he's, you know, after they've been given to him before the game and until they're brought out on that field. And this is, uh, not only covered in your book, but it's covered expertly right now. Where can we buy your book? Yeah. So the book it's available. Um, spies on the sidelines is available online, uh, through Amazon, Barnes and Noble, books, a million Walmart. Uh, you can go on my website, spiesonthesidelines.com. It's got everything, um, about the book and about me, all my social media handles, uh, my Twitter ones up there on the screen for you. Um, and the book's available in hardback ebook and audio and the audio book selling for about uh, half the price of all the others right now. So that's the, that's the cheap way to get it, get it. And my website's got all the, uh, the ways you can get the audio book. Now, one there. thing, one thing I've enjoyed about audio books is mm -hmm. I can go through an audio book in a day. Right. And I, I've enjoyed, I enjoy those, but to me and, and Kevin, this is just me personally. I like going to a bookstore and getting a book off the shelf. I like yeah. the feel and I like the smell. I like going to use bookstores. Love that. So uh, if you're into audiobooks, go right ahead to do that. Uh, I will put a link to your book on my on the show notes for this. But if you want to, you can go to any of those places. Uh, I will also put a link on this. And I believe, Kevin, that you talked to Arnie a while back, Arnie Chapman. And I uh, think he put a link on the sportshistorynetwork.com. He did. Yes, he did. So that's good. And I wish you the best. And let me, let me ask you a question. And I, we might ask this before. I've got a couple minutes before I get kicked off of, uh, of Zoom here. Who's, who do you pick to win the Super Bowl this year? Who's, who's your team? I think, I, well, the Broncos are my team, but I think the Bills are going to get it done this year. Um, they, man, they look so good in, in preseason. Um, I, I don't know who can stop them offensively. I mean, honestly, I think their second team's good enough that they tear up most first team defenses. They're just, they're ridiculously good. Do you remember the 98 Minnesota Vikings with Randall, Randy, okay. Randall Cunningham, oh, yeah. Randy Moss and yep. Chris Carter, that, right. that team would have given our Broncos a run for the money in the Super Bowl that year. Yep. It was the Falcons that ended up beating them. Falcons didn't put up a, a fight at all. But that team, to me, is Madden-esque. It's like rookie Madden. You're playing against a computer. You mm -hmm. put up 100 points. Right, the right. Bills this year just look so doggone scary. And I believe my Titans got them pretty early in the season. So hopefully we can get our beating out of the way at the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Titans got to have a good team. I expect they're going to be in the playoffs once again. So, uh, but yeah, I, th I think the Bills are the team to beat. I think the NFC is a little tougher. I think maybe you know the Rams and the Bucks. I think are the two two obvious choices there. Um, but I, I just I, I think this is I think I think this is the year the Bills finally get it done. I wouldn't be surprised to see the Bills Rams. Thank you, Kevin, for coming right. on and uh, for letting me uh, let me jump in and out of this. And let's get your book out there. Thank you very much. All right. Thanks, Jeremy. Appreciate it. Hey there, Sports History fan. This is Arnie Chapman, 
aka the Football History Dude, and I wanted to thank you for stopping by to listen to another episode here on the Sports History Network. Our podcasters are passionate about uncovering and sharing sports stories from yesteryear. And if you didn't know it already, we have over 30 shows across the network covering all sorts of sports history topics. In fact, here's a glimpse into one of our awesome podcasts here on the network. Join George Bozica, the president of the PFRA, and myself, John Bozica, each month for the Professional Football Researchers Association official podcast. We'll discuss the history of the game, the many names of the game, and so many different things for you, making the history of football not only entertaining, but fun at the same time, as we join you on the Sports History Network on the official PFRA podcast. How about that? I bet you're super hyped to go listen to that new podcast, right? Well, to learn about this show and all the other podcasts on the network, head over to sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Again, that's sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Head over there today to find your next favorite sports history podcast.